0: It is such a delight to be with you. Um, uh, Dan and I and Pam got to know each other a couple of years ago um, through a mutual friend. And uh, that um, our getting to know each other was via email, um, a Zoom conversation. And we had hoped to come here earlier. And then this wonderful thing called COVID happened. And I'm about done with that, aren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it is interesting. We, um, we teach in Chicago. And uh, just going from Chicago to Wisconsin, um, it's like living in two different worlds. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a lot different. That's all I can say. Um, quite a few years ago, when our children were young, we had what we look back on now, Pam and I, um, the worst 18 months of our lives. Uh, Pam had had uh, two uh, major surgeries within about five weeks of uh, each other, and as she was recovering from that, we felt that God was calling us to leave our home and ministry in South Florida and. Uh, take a new ministry in Rockford, Illinois. Um, What was worse about just going from South Florida to Rockford is we came in a blizzard, just to kind of get us warmed up for uh, what was ahead. Um, It was at a time when selling houses in South Florida was difficult, and for a year, we were unable to sell our home. And so we were trying to pay rent, pay a mortgage on a very, very tight, 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 tight budget. We were only in Rockford a couple of months and our youngest daughter, who was nine months old at the time, um, was, had gotten ill and she was lying in her crib and kind of became lethargic. We called our pediatrician. He said, take her to the emergency room. We did, and we found out that she had spinal meningitis. And for two weeks, um, she was in the hospital in IVs. For the first three or four days, she was uh, pretty much in a a coma. Uh, The doctors took us aside and said uh, at the beginning, uh, Mr. And Mrs. McRae, um, I don't know if your daughter's going to make it. A um, couple days later, it looks like she's going to pull through, but she may have uh, severe learning disabilities, or she may have uh, she might be deaf, she might be blind. And uh, two weeks later, we we bring her home, and we're thinking she's she's looking normal. She seems to be acting normal. But we were warned of all these things that could happen uh, to her, and it wasn't for another four years that we found out that Mallory was, was okay. It was during that time, too, that my parents, who lived in South Florida, about 15 minutes from where we used to live, um, my mom had had cancer. We thought things had, been, had cleared up when we moved, only to find out that her cancer had returned, and now we are 900 miles away. Um, unable to be there and in, 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 um, in help physically. And uh, my mom eventually that year passed away and, and went to heaven. And it seemed like there was just one thing after another that just wasn't working out. And at those kind of times, it's kind of easy to kind of go, God, can you, can you just cut us a break? Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are there right now where life is hard and you're not quite sure why. And maybe you're even looking at yourself and saying, okay, what have I done wrong, God? Um, What did I do to make this happen? You know, I prepared this message before the events of this week happened in the Ukraine. And when I talk about not being able to sell a house, when I talk about a child's illness, that was heavy. And I'm sure what many of you have gone through in the past or what you might be going through now is heavy. And we can always say, oh, but look, look at them. They've got it so much worse which they do, but that doesn't always make us feel better. Have you ever gone to a friend, and you've, you're trying to talk to them about how tough things are, and they say, oh, yeah, you think you have it bad, and they start telling you their story. And you don't sense the empathy, you don't sense the care. I tell you, my, my heart has been breaking this week watching the news. One of my best buddies in the world, his son, I've known him since he was born. is a missionary in Ukraine. And uh, he and his wife and three little, little kids um, had to escape through Hungary uh, uh, to get out. And praise God, they're in a safe spot right now. Missionary friends, former student, that I have serving in the Czech Republic said, would you pray for this uh, young family? And showed me a picture of a mom and a dad and their three little kids in the backseat of a minivan with kind of looks of horror on their face as they were trying to get further uh, west in the country to family that would be uh, a safer place for them to be than there in the capital. These are servants of God. These are people doing ministry in their homeland of Ukraine. And so, yeah, we can always say, oh, they have it so much worse than us, but that doesn't always take the pain away from what we might be experiencing or the hardship. You may notice on the screen that I have titled this morning's message, Have You Turned God Into an Idol? And that may sound like a rather odd title for a message, But what is an idol? If we look at the Ten Commandments, it's interesting that the very first one in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 says this, do not have any other gods besides me. An idol is something that we can worship that is anything but God himself, and I think oftentimes we can fall into a trap where we kind of create God to be who we think he should be. You know, we all hear about people who kind of preach the health and wealth gospel that if you, if you love God, he'll, he'll make you wealthy, you won't go through uh, physical hardships and such. I tell you, that message would be a hard one to be preaching in the Ukraine today. And so we might say, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't buy into that. But you know what? It might be easy for us to buy into the idea that if we act a certain way, if we live a certain way, God's going to cut us a break. And things will be easier. And you sit there and you kind of go, why am I a long hauler when it comes to COVID? Or why did my spouse have to die just a month or two before uh, he or she was ready to retire and we had all these plans to uh, spend time with the grandkids and travel and why did that happen? Or God, why are my kids not following after you? And we start looking at ourselves and thinking, you know, Even that mentality that some people have that this here can almost be like a good luck charm. You know, I had my devotions today, so I know I'll find a parking spot. You know, my wife and I uh, teach a class, uh, marriage and family at Moody. And we um, are using a, a, a textbook that just kind came out about a year ago. It's it's talking back to purity culture. And what this book is addressing is a lot of the teaching that with very good intentions uh, was done in many evangelical churches in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, that kind of promoted this idea that, you know what? It would be smart and wise to only date the person that you wind up marrying and to make sure that you keep yourself pure sexually, you know what, it's probably better to never kiss till you get to the altar. And if you're in a relationship and you're having problems, don't break up because that's practicing divorce. Instead, work it through and God is gonna bless you with great sex, with many children and life will be grand. And you know what, there's people who did that and discovered, you know what, the marriage isn't that great. I don't even know if I really like this person or I'm infertile and I followed all the rules and this isn't working. And again, people with good intentions, but some of those rules did not come from here. And we can add things. And then what happens to that young person when they're now in a marriage that isn't working out? And they go, I I did it the way I was supposed to. God, what's wrong with you? Why did you let me down, God? Because I was doing it the way I thought I was supposed to do it. The only thing is, it wasn't the way the Bible necessarily said. Show me a verse that tells you that A boyfriend and girlfriend, when it's not working, can't break up because it's practicing divorce. Now, I want us to just think about this this question. Do we sometimes find ourselves worshiping a God that doesn't exist? A God that we have created in our own minds that's supposed to be the one who just gives us all these wonderful good things. Here's a thought that I would like to really try and help us wrestle with uh, this morning, and it's this. The depth of our relationship with God is not displayed by our circumstances, but rather our responses to them. The depth of our relationship with God is not displayed by our circumstances, but rather our response to them. You know, we can look at people and say, oh man, everything looks like it's going good in their life. Um, they must be really close to God. Or, hmm, things aren't working out so good for them. What's wrong with them? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Second Corinthians. We're going to look at uh, the life of Paul a little bit today. In this book, 2 Corinthians, I'd like you to go to chapter 12. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And uh, the verses that I'd like to concentrate on are verses 9 and 10 from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm gonna actually read some of these things um, out of order for a reason. But in verse nine, this is what Paul writes. It says, but he said to me. Now, some of your Bibles might be like mine, a red letter um, version, which those red letters are the words that Jesus himself spoke. And usually we find those red letters in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, we see red letters, because here, Paul is quoting something that Jesus told him. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then he is strong." Now, let me give you a little context of what is happening here in chapter 12. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage there. But in chapter 12, the beginning of the the chapter there, Paul is describing a very unusual event that he experienced. It was so unusual that he doesn't even really know how to explain it. And he starts talking about it as if it had happened to someone else because he's talking about it like in the third person verse 2 says so, i know a man okay it's kind of like um, sometimes my wife and i get questions from students i know somebody who's going through this struggle right and it's just kind of this interesting way of saying I'm having this problem, but I don't want to admit it, but if you know, I know, so, okay, we, I can play that game and try and help you. Here Paul is saying, I know a man, and part of the reason he's talking in the third person is because of what he's gonna describe here is so unique. This person, Paul, was caught up into the heavens, and he even says, you know, whether this was an out-of-body experience, whether this was, I, I don't know, but it was incredible, and I heard things that no human being should be able to hear, but God blessed me with this incredible, incredible encounter with God. He says, you know, it's, it'd be one of those things I, I wouldn't mind boasting about, but I really, I really shouldn't, but it kind of does set me aside, and, What happens when we get down to verse seven, the middle of verse seven? Paul says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself because of this experience he had, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Now, quite honestly, we don't really know for sure what that thorn in the flesh was. Um, some people, some commentators think that Paul might have had some kind of eye condition, some eye ailment that was affecting his vision. We don't really know. What we do know is Paul didn't like it. What we do know is that Paul wanted to go away. What we do know is he says here concerning this, verse 8, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. And what was the response from Jesus, those verses that I just read? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, so therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Because I, so I actually take pleasure in these things. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Um, do some of you remember uh, ever reading a book to your children or having this book read to you when you were a little kid? Um, Alexander, terrible, awful, <laughs> no good, very bad day where little Alexander just kind of keeps talking about everything going wrong in his life. Goes to sleep with his gum in his mouth and forgets and it winds up in his hair. His brothers get the little trinket toy out of the cereal box and he's left with nothing. Sitting in the wrong seat on the way to uh, uh, to school, having his teacher say she doesn't like the picture that he turned in for art class, his invisible uh, castle on a blank sheet of paper. And Alexander just keeps saying, you know what, it's a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. Um, We have those, don't we? And uh, it's easy for us to want to complain. But you know what, it's in our weakness, it's when things are going bad for us that we're more prone to turn to Jesus. I think that's why Jesus said it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Not that it's impossible, but many rich people, when things are going, seem to be wonderful, they can buy whatever they want, buy whatever they need. They may think, I don't need God, because I've got it all here. I think sometimes God allows us to become weak so that we can receive his strength. Now, here's something I think for us to think about. In the Christian life, many of our victories come from transformation, not from substitution. You say, what are you saying? I, like you, have had situations in my life where I'm thinking, man, I wish I could switch this out. You know, like, I'll trade you. God, you take this off my plate and give me something different. But you know what? Um, God can give us victory in our life by transforming us and growing us into the men and women he wants us to be that oftentimes we would not be growing into those people if we didn't have the adversity that we're dealing with. But sometimes we're unable to see that because in our mind, that's not how God should be working. He should be making my life easy. He should be making my path smoother. See, God gives us grace. But he he gives us grace so that the affliction works for us instead of against us. You know, I've been guilty of this, and maybe you have too, that instead of allowing God have his purpose through the affliction, we spend so much time complaining about it and wishing God would just take it away that we miss that opportunity of growing through it. Now, But some of you are saying, yeah, Bob, that, this all sounds good. But why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen in my life? You know, I'm a person who loves to know the answers to those why questions. But quite honestly, in the Christian life, we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. I don't know why your spouse died. I don't know why your, your child was born with physical difficulties or, or uh, uh, mental difficulties. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why your spouse left. I don't know why your child went wayward. But I know this that Jesus wants to say to every one of us, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, Alexander thought he was having a bad day. Let's go back to chapter 11. Here is, uh, here's Paul talking about his Alexander days. Verse 24. Now here, Paul was a Jew of Jews, devout. But the risen Lord appeared to him. He had that conversion experience, became a missionary, started planting churches. And wouldn't you think if anyone from our thinking deserved a smooth sailing life? Boy, it would be the Apostle Paul. Well, let's see what his Alexander days looked like. Verse 24, five times... I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. I say that um, the Greek there means 39. Um, That was a bad joke that no one got. That's fine. Why 39 lashes? Because 40 was considered to be the lethal amount. And it's like they didn't want to kill Paul. They just wanted to get him close to death. Five times, he was kind of beaten to within an inch of his life. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I received a stoning. Three times, I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea, on frequent journeys I face da- dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers uh, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers amongst false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. And then he goes on to say this, not to mention There is that daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. These churches that he had planted, not only all those things happening to him physically, but he says, you know, I've got concern for those churches. Folks, in our thinking, if anyone deserved a smooth life, maybe it was Paul. My goodness, the sacrifices he was making for God, and that's his reward. But that's where our thinking gets faulty. See, Sometimes we can think that heaven should be what we're experiencing now. Heaven is what's coming. Life right now can be hard. But what Jesus is saying, hey, but my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And Paul was saying, "Um, you know what? What? I can actually boast in my weakness, because when I'm weak, then I know that he is strong. That's why, like, you know, when they threatened to, to kill Paul, um, it was like, okay, <laughs> go ahead. Um, for me to live as Christ. I, you know, I'm going to live for Christ. But if you kill me, that's gain. I'll be in heaven. I'll actually be better off. So do what you want to do. Wow. Uh, I have a quote from Jill Briscoe that I'd like you to see. Uh, Many of you know Stuart and Jill Briscoe, um, pastored uh, Elmbrook Church down in the Milwaukee area for many years. Jill now is in her um, uh, later 80s, I believe, Uh, one of my wife's favorite people in the world. Uh, She and her husband, uh, Stuart, um, traveled around the world sharing the gospel. And she says this, In America, we pray that God will take our burdens away. In most other countries around the world, Christians pray that God would make their back stronger so they can carry the burdens that they have. Just kind of interesting. I don't know if it's a cultural thing that we have this idea of somewhat of of an entitlement that life should be, Lord, take this burden away. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't think it's wrong for us to ask God to take burdens away. Paul did that, what, it says three times, he said, God, please take this from me. But when God did not take it from him, the answer he heard from Christ was, my grace is sufficient for you. So when those burdens aren't taken away, we need to remember that God's grace is there. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Folks, I don't know what you're all going through. The pastors in this church don't know all that you're going through, but God does. And Jesus tells us my grace is sufficient for you. And if we are individuals who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, um, God's Holy Spirit indwells us. We have the promise of heaven waiting. And we have the grace of God within us to help us now. God doesn't give us grace so that we can endure our sufferings. He gives us grace so he can develop our character. God wants us to be growing into the men and women of God he desires us to be. The life without difficulty will be when we are in glory, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. The depth of our relationship with God is not displayed by our circumstances, but our reactions to them. The next time you find yourself questioning God's involvement in your life, confess that as sin and allow God to remind you that his grace is sufficient. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us Jesus to die in our place on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins so that we could uh, receive eternal life. Lord, remind us that the life where tears will be no more, where there'll be no more sorrow, that that still awaits us. And for the times that we are going through difficulty now, I pray that we'd be reminded from your word that your grace is sufficient. Keep us, Lord, from creating within our own minds a God that is contrary to what the Bible teaches about you. Lord, help us not to get angry at you because we misunderstand how you work and operate. Thank you, God, for your grace. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Well, let's stand together as we respond in worship. say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. You'll be who you've always been to us. mighty name Our peace in the darkest day remains Jesus This week We trust you your ways are higher than our own yes we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own yes we trust you Jesus we trust you your ways we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own we like to close our services with what's called the benediction and a benediction is just a blessing and so take this blessing with you as you leave this place based off of the book that we looked at second corinthians chapter 13 verse 13 It says this, may this sufficient, sustaining grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and may this love that is beyond our imagination that says you are my child that comes from God the Father and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that will never ever leave us while we are on earth be with you all. Have a blessed week.